You're listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. What have we learned from the Dalai Lama, Buddhist monks, and the practice of mindfulness? And what does that have to do with neuroimaging of the brain? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, your host, and with me today is Dr. Joseph Fraschella. Dr. Fraschella is the director of the Division of Clinical Neuroscience at the National Institute on Drug Abuse. Thank you for joining us at the Clinician's Roundtable. Thank you very much. Today we're discussing neuroimaging and rewiring of the brain. One of the most famous lines in all of movie history was found in the 1967 classic movie, The Graduate. The conversation takes place between Bed Braddock, played by Dustin Hoffman, and his father's good friend. Mr. McGuire says, Ben, I just want to say one word to you. Just one word. And Ben replies, yes, sir. Are you listening, says Mr. McGuire. Yes, I am says Ben. Then the famous line, plastics. Who would have known how prophetic that word was to become? Tell me, Dr. Fraschella, is the brain plastic? Absolutely plastic. Yes. It is able to change. From birth to... From birth until death. We're showing now that the brain is not completely hardwired and rigid, but it is, in fact, very plastic. From your research... What have you learned about structural and functional changes in the brains of addicts? Well, I think uh, drug addiction is the perfect example of brain plasticity. Take a normal brain that then has exposure to drugs of abuse, chronic exposure, and the brain changes. There are synaptic changes, density of receptor changes, changes in chemicals and chemistry, um, a whole host of changes at the molecular and uh, cellular level. Which areas of the brain are most greatly affected? It depends on the drugs, but um, certainly the reward circuitry of our brain seems to be affected. There are areas of the frontal lobes that seem to be affected by brain by drugs of abuse. With reward centers, is that the limbic system? Yes, it is. Currently, what's the state of the art on neuroimaging of the brain? Which techniques have been proven most successful? Well, I think there's no one technique that's the best. My feeling is we should let all technologies inform us. And so we have functional magnetic resonance imaging, structural magnetic resonance imaging, positron emission tomography. Uh, We even use EEGs and evoked responses uh, to measure electrical activity in the brain. And I think each of those methods has its own strengths. Which specific areas and technique are you involved with at this time? Right now, I uh, oversee a program looking at all different types of imaging modalities. Are the findings on neuroimaging in the same location and same degree, regardless of the nature of addiction, drugs, shopping, sex, or what kind of quantitative differences do you see? It's a very good question. I think research is showing similarities among many of the excessive diseases of excess, as well as certain differences. For example, we know that there are some very clear commonalities between drug addiction and obesity. So some of the brain circuitry that is involved in feeding and motivation are certainly involved in uh, drug abuse and, and drug addiction. Do you think that'll lead to better pharmacologic management of obesity? Absolutely. I, I think one of the hopes for us is that different diseases could inform each other. And so our hope is that the drug addiction field can inform obesity as well as obesity research informing drug addiction. I think that's great when we can do that kind of thing. 
Is anyone at the NIH looking at perhaps psychiatric disorders other than drug addiction, which, again, I know it's a brain disorder. You've made that point quite clear. But I'm thinking, for instance, obsessive-compulsive disorders. It's a repetitive behavior. It has negative health consequences. Are the similar areas of the brain involved? Yes, certainly there are. And again, they're not 100% overlap, but it's one brain and no disease owns any part of the brain. In a sense, there there are a lot of overlapping circuits and pathways. I kind of enjoy curveballs. So can I throw one at you? Uh, Sure. I was never really good at hitting them, but uh, (laughs) we'll give it a try. If addiction is a brain disease, has a defense lawyer ever used this in defending a client or use the results specifically of neuroimaging in defense of an addict? Yes. In fact, uh, I think we're seeing more and more savvy lawyers looking at brain imaging and trying to bring brain imaging into the defense of uh, individuals. That said, I think we're far away from really understanding the brain imaging results and tying them so closely to a behavior or to uh, to say that this is the state of the brain and therefore my person is my person's not guilty or guilty. I think we need more research in, in understanding what the signals actually mean. Yeah, I was thinking of whether one could say it's not a crime, it's a disease, and you know, at least get the person off or perhaps under psychiatric care versus going to jail. Right. And I think we really need to understand it as a disease. And we have programs now with criminal justice systems that uh, actually work with convicted drug addicted individuals to, to give them a chance at treatment because mm-hmm. treatment works. If you've just joined us, you're listening to ReachMD XM 233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Bill Rutenberg, And with me today is Dr. Joseph Frischella. We're discussing neuroimaging and rewiring of the brain. Have you ever thought about what you would say if you were asked to testify in one of these cases? Um, I guess I would be really honest and and try to let people know what the limitations are of brain imaging. It's easy to to take a picture and and misrepresent what it may mean in terms of of function. Uh, There are limitations to brain imaging, but we're we're learning more and more each day about uh, these different methodologies. I guess I'm trying to say that it's very difficult to throw up a a scan of the brain and say, aha, there's the reason and this is the defense. I think we have to be very careful. In the development of new connections, new neuronal pathways, how is the issue of plasticity put into clinical use? Well, I think uh, the brain is changing and drugs do affect the brain. The question is, can we, through treatment, change the brain back? And, and that is a challenge for us to, uh, to be able to. I mean, we can look at the brain before treatment and, and after, and hopefully the brain normalizes with uh, abstinence. I think about the power, the control of the mind that Buddhist monks have obtained. Can you see any correlations, again, on the neuroimaging with connections, pathways, that they think differently than the rest of us? Well, brain imaging studies have shown that their brains are uh, different when they go into a, a highly meditative state. And so something is going on biologically that they're able to control. And we know for lots of years that people are able to control behaviors and, and control 
thoughts and use behavioral controls to, to guide our behaviors all the time. Sharon Begley has written a book, Train, Train Your Mind, Change Your Brain, a collaboration between neuroscience and Buddhism. She talks about breakthroughs that allow us to reset our happiness meter, regain use of limbs disabled by stroke, train the mind to break cycles of depression and OCD, and even reverse age-related changes in the brain. Is this true, and is it really possible? I think it's, it's very possible. I think many of the conditions you describe are clearly under the control of one's cognitive powers, and certainly working to change brains, maybe use different circuitry. We see that with stroke patients who are able to uh, move limbs that they couldn't move before. Uh, the brain is very plastic. gets back to that simple, simple concept. How much, and I guess this is hard to answer, the degree of plasticity? Do we have any concepts or ideas of how much we can really relearn or learn anew? Well, we certainly know that it's easier to learn languages early on, and it gets more and more difficult as you get older. So it's, we don't have the same plasticity uh, as an adult as one would have as a child. The big question for us is when you take drugs of abuse early on or you're exposed to drugs of abuse, is the brain more vulnerable or perhaps even more plastic and, and able to uh, withstand the effects and, and that's a question that we're looking at right now. I know this is out of your area, but Alzheimer's disease is such a big problem. Is there any plasticity model for Alzheimer's? Is there ability to re recover any of their cognitive ability? Well, I think pharmaceutical companies are really spending lots of money to, to come up with cognitive enhancers to, to do just that, to help people who lose cognitive function to give them back some. From the work you're supervising, where do you feel we will be in the treatment of addiction, say, 10 years from now? I think 10 years from now, we will probably better understand the disease. We will understand better the individual differences in the disease and be able to treat different individuals differently. From studies over the next 10 years, we'll have better insights into the different mechanisms uh, and systems that are involved and hopefully we will come up with medications and treatments that might target better these specific areas of the brain. I think there are certain chemical systems, transmitter systems in the brain that still need to be understood and probably haven't been discovered. So I think in the next 10 years, we will understand the interplay between these different systems and processes and better be able to treat patients. In the imaging studies you've done, and this is sort of a joke, but have you found the soul yet? Not yet, but we're still looking. It seems like if we could do that, then we'd really be able to get to the heart of the matter and help people achieve new levels of insight into themselves. Absolutely. Well, anything else you'd like to speak to the audience about where you're going in terms of current research or what a physician could tell his patient, what kind of advice they could give to people both in prevention and perhaps even preventing addiction from developing? Well, I think uh, understanding that it, addiction is a disease and it's a very complex disease that involves the brain and, and many different areas of the brain and processes as well as uh, involves behavior, uh, understanding that the complexity is there 
and it's very difficult to wish it away, will it away. These are people who have a, a very tough uh, relapsing condition, and uh, understanding just that, I think, could help in, in understanding how to treat uh, patients. Well, it seems very promising, and I would like to thank you very much, Dr. Fischella, for being my guest and discussing with us the exciting, ongoing work in neuroimaging and rewiring of the brain. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, and I leave you with the words of the Dalai Lama. This is my simple religion. There is no need for temples, no need for complicated philosophy. Our own brain, our own heart is our temple. The philosophy is kindness. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening. I wish you good day and good health.